in the suburbs of Gotham City is the home of Bruce Wayne. Only the faithful Alfred knows what lies beneath the house. Those relentless crusaders for law and order, Batman and Robin. Welcome to the latest installment of the Dork Knights, the podcast that the internet deserves, but not the one it needs. Per usual, I am your host, MB, and joining me is the Spielberg to my Lucas, the Wachowski to my Cohen, the Robert to my Rodriguez, Birdman. Hello, sir. Good morning. Good morning, or afternoon. Good morning, yes, or we're whatever. We're, we're totally not recording during the morning. Yeah, we, we're recording. Anytime you listen to this podcast, that is the time that we recorded it. Fact. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're meta. We're meta. We're everywhere at once. We're time traveling. Well, we already established you're a time traveler. Yeah. In that damn convenience store. <laughs> Will they ever see you again? They don't know. I'm afraid to go back there. They probably have a shrine to me. <laughs> they they become a cult. I've accidentally inspired a cult. <laughs> They've killed people in your name. <laughs> I am the wicker man. <laughs> oh, God. The bees! Oh, God. Not the bees! You run up in a bear suit and punch a lady. <laughs> yeah, somewhere in South Georgia, Nicolas Cage is running around in a bear suit. <laughs> and all is right with the world. That would be amazing to have Nicolas Cage in a bear suit come up to, like, your... Just, just run up and knock on your door. You answer the door, and he just, he just punches you across the face. I'm... You, you, you said it like it's a bad thing. I, I'm not saying it like it's a bad thing. I think it would be the most amazing thing <laughs> in the world. I think so, too. I would... I, I don't know what I would do. I mean, I would ask for a picture <laughs> or something. I would, proof. I would gladly, like, hire him to do that. <laughs> I would I would save up, like, a small fortune just to yeah. pay him to do that for well, one Well, it's day. Nicolas Cage. I mean... Probably he probably comes cheap, you know. He's in like what a hundred films a year, so you know. <laughs> I would. I here's what we do. I would let him punch me in the face, and then I would get up, and then him and I would go off and try to steal the Statue of Liberty from the Declaration of Independence. There's a map on the back of it. Yeah, or you know, actually on the torch of the Statue of Liberty, there's a road map that leads to the lost gold of the Incans. <laughs> and that is where you begin your actual historical fight club. Yes, exactly. We're all dressed in bear suits. <laughs> Teddy Roosevelt in a bear suit. My God. Just that mental image. I mean, you're saying that like he doesn't own a bear suit. Like he oh, never owned a bear suit. And he didn't like the rest of these pussies who got their bear suits from the store. He killed that bear <laughs> and skinned it alive. He didn't even skin it. Like he's wearing the innards and stuff. It's <laughs> it's it's actually bizarre. It stinks. It smells horrible. Yeah. He thinks it. He thinks it's robust. Yeah. He likes Boy. the smell of de, of decaying bear on his person. Boy. It drives the women mad. Bully. <laughs> actually, actually, since he's in the suit, it'd be more. <laughs> Barry. That's what he'd say. <laughs> Oh, that makes no sense, but still. Oh. That, that sounds more like Movie Man than anything. Yeah. But uh, it's funny that we mention uh, Nicolas Cage and the Wicker Man and all that, because what our topic for today is kind of invocative of that. Yes. 
Uh, specifically, oddly enough, for movie remakes. Uh, we, we were talking a couple weeks ago, and we were thinking about um, an episode where we talk about movies that not only would we want to remake, but movies that we would want to make that we think should be made, and movies that we ourselves would make if we had, like, the budget. Yeah. So, um, and, like, concepts that we've come up with for yeah. movies and stuff. Like, the original idea I had was, um, I was talking with some friends, and, uh, like, how they talk about how, like, you know, Hollywood is in trend now of remaking shit. I mean, they they remade shit all the time. It's nothing specifically new. They've been making remakes for, like, since the 40s. You know, they remade silent pictures. Um, but, um, it just seems like it's gotten more and more prevalent, you know, for them to remake stuff. And uh, Not only that, but it's, it seems like it's gotten more and more just terrible. Yeah, and the trend is that Hollywood takes a well-beloved film, or maybe not a, a well-beloved film, cult classic, you know, something that's viewed by a lot of people as, very, as a good film, and they remake it often to mediocre results. Yeah. And a lot of horror movies. Yeah, horror movies. Um, even like films that uh, something like Red Dawn. You know, they're remaking Red Dawn. So I, I read a review for the Red Dawn film today, uh, actually, and they gave it kind of a mediocre score. Hmm. Um, that's a shame because that's uh, Thor. Yeah, it's worth. <laughs> um, and see, Red Dawn was never like a. It wasn't like a blockbuster by any means, but it was a cult classic. You know, people still to this day, you know, Wolverines and all that stuff. But um, yeah. but what got me thinking is that, you know, Hollywood's trend of remaking these uh, good movies with so-so results here. What if you flip the script? What if you remade shitty films? You know, the bar would be so lo- so much lower that you almost would have to do better, you know? Yeah, yeah, and not only that, but it's like you look at some of the best remakes... I, I was thinking about this the other day. Remakes, like the best ones, are actually ones that transcend the original. Like, like uh, you think about uh, The Fly, for instance. Yeah. With Jeff Goldblum. I, I don't think there's a single person alive who thinks when you say The Fly, they think of the original with Vincent Price, like the yeah. like the cheesy one with like the the big fly head and all that. Yeah. Like, they, they think of Jed Goldblum and prosthetics, you know, biting off his fingernails. Or peeling them off and, you know, disgusting stuff yes, happening. Yes, I'm thinking about that now, you bastard. <laughs> God, that movie was disgusting, but it was still an excellent film. Yeah, and you know, I, I just recently saw John Carpenter as a thing. I don't think... I can't think of many people who have even seen the original thing. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, there was something you talked about when the fact that... Uh, how the thing, the original one was, you know, more of like, like, like you said, the fly, a cheesy kind of alien film during the sci-fi movie heyday with the B films in the fifties, and John Carpenter, he was able to turn into its own thing with the psychological drama. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it was a masterful remake. Actually, it was. I would say that's, if not one of the top three, that's one of the best remakes ever done. Yeah. Because it um, just completely blows the source out of the water yeah and but like i was saying though like, you know there's been a lot of shitty films they had a lot of promise whether they had good ideas 
or you know maybe originally had good scripts, but for whatever reason, um, it all and it all didn't come together. You know. Yeah. And so that's what got me thinking. Like, you know, like I said, if for some reason, you know, unbeknownst to either one of us, I don't know why, but a major studio put us in charge <laughs> of remaking a film. You know. Well, first of all, they're they're completely desperate. Let's just say yeah. that much. That's how bad the economy has gotten. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, all the major studios are going down the toilet. Like uh, their blockbusters are doing terribly. No, no director will work with them, and they're like, "All right, bring in the Dork Knights, please, for the love of God." And they're, they're the only people that can save us. <laughs> and we go, we walk in all smug. We we've expected yeah. it. We've expected this moment. We yeah. finally arrived. Our our triumph, you know. We're both dressed as Batman, <laughs> but with no pants on, of course. <laughs> Matching outfits, standard fare, yeah. But um, and yeah, that would be our big plan is to take something that wasn't that well received or made that much money and try to turn it into a successful film or a successful, even maybe a successful franchise. You never know. Mm-hmm. But my question is, if you could do that with one film. That maybe didn't live up to your expectations. Or maybe didn't necessarily uh, perform as well as you wanted to, or you didn't enjoy as much. What film would you remake? Well, first of all, I want to say what we're going to do here is we're going to try and avoid comic book movies because okay, that's fine. There are a lot of comic book movies I can think of. Just yeah, like, I mean, like one of my prime options was actually a comic book film. You know. Yeah, well, I mean, we we can still do yeah. them, but we're not gonna like we're not gonna start off with those. We're not gonna like delve right into those. Yeah, it'd be too easy. Because the first thing I thought of when you asked me that was Green Lantern. Yeah, like Green Lantern was the epitome of just a complete disappointment for me. It's like <laughs> it's like I think that's the one film where I walked out of the theater and been like, I could go home right now and write a much better script for it. Yeah, which was surprising because both you and I like took a peek at the uh, league script that came out like a couple years before the film start was in production, and uh, I, don't, I think we both the consensus both of us felt was that you know it was pretty well done. The script was anyway. Yeah, yeah. The first draft of the script was um, I don't know how early in the process it was, but it had so many awesome elements and like alan scott was even in the movie yeah i mean and you know there was some stuff that wasn't that great but you know still overall the whole sum of his parts was a much better film on paper than the one that we got on celluloid yeah but i mean that's of course since we're trying to avoid that and we're we're starting to get we're starting to talk about it yeah (laughs) um maybe we should jump ship to another one um well, here's the thing. I think this is the most renowned as far as films that people would want to remake. This is like the most brought up, so I'm kind of copping out by going with it. But it honestly is something I would have liked to see done better, especially in retrospect, because when it came out, I loved it. Um, Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. Yes. And I would go so far as to say not just uh, episode one, but at least episode two and parts of episode three for me. 
Well, I'm, I mean, I mean that too, but you said one film. And <laughs> yeah, no, well, I'd say franchise. Well, we can say franchise. Um, well, I'd, here's the thing. I think if we're going to do that, we need to start with the beginning. Yeah, that's true. That's sort of what I agree with. They kind of, with the way episode one started out, it kind of started the whole prequels out yeah. on like shaky ground. You know? here's, here's my first thing that I think I would change. I think it was a mistake to start off Anakin Skywalker as a kid. Oh, yeah, definitely. Like, as a little kid, especially like a little annoying pilot kid. Yeah, and that's sort of a problem that I think, like you said, he starts off as a kid. And that's sort of, well, the problem is that you start off as a kid, and in order to show you that he's got talent and potential, he ends up inevitably coming off annoying, you know? Yeah. Just because of the fact that he's reminding you of how awesome he is, you know? Mm-hmm. And I'm a pilot. I can fly in space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, I think the better way to do it would be to show him, like, as, like, like sort of an 18 or 19-year-old. Yeah. And he's kind of almost like a rogue, almost. Like, he, he's, like, sort of like a thief or something. Like, he's, he's not on the up and up, but he's not completely evil. And I think, like, what a good way to do it would be, like, the show, like, Qui-Gon Jinn uh, taking him in and sort of trying to steer him towards the right path, only to, of course, fail inevitably, because not only does he... I would keep, like... I would virtually keep everything with Darth Maul, uh-huh. including, like, the fight scene between him and Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan. I think that was honestly, like, the best part of Phantom Menace, and I think a lot of people agree with that. But. Well, see, you mentioned Qui-Gon Jinn. For me, it'd be the opposite. I would get rid of that character totally and just have Obi-Wan be Anakin's mentor from start to finish. Really? Yeah, because that's something I've always liked. You know, to me, that's one of the... It felt like the show Obi-Wan Kenobi as a kid, or I, mean, I say kid, Ewan McGregor was like probably 30. At the time he played Obi-Wan Kenobi. <laughs> yeah, but, he's uh, not. To be fair, he does have like a boyish face. Yeah, but, um. And I know I say this, pains me to say this just because of the fact that it's Liam Neeson, you know? Yeah. And he did good in that role. But I just felt like the whole thing kind of undermined uh, Obi-Wan. What made Obi-Wan cool, you know? But. And, I, you, you know, just to show, like, that he. I, I don't know. Maybe it made sense. And now I'm starting to backpedal, damn it. Because now I think about it, it kind of does make sense for him to be kind of young and unseasoned when he takes this uh, kid under his wing. And that kind of, that's what sort of leads to the problem of the fact that Obi-Wan himself is, you know, very much flawed in his training. So that kind of inevitably leads to Anakin being flawed as well. But damn you, Lucas, you made me think. Damn you and your beard. Multiple chins. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, th- there's a, a laundry list of stuff that you could fix about the prequels. Um, I mean, the main thing is that it, it's all about the rise to Darth Vader. Like, when Vader comes on, that's when the trilogy is complete. Yeah. And that's, that's what... what yeah, it should have been more focused on that. Not all this bullshit about, you know, um, trade embargoes... <laughs> And, you know, all this. Yeah, that. Oh, especially that. Jesus. You're going to take what makes one of the coolest things about Star Wars, the mysticism. Yeah. Know, yeah. The... And say, oh, it's just a bunch of <laughs> fucking 
pond scum. Yeah, essentially, they took all the ambiguity and all the coolness out of the force and made it. Um, no, it's just like bacteria. Yeah, like it's just every every so many certain people have more bacteria than others, and that makes them better at pushing shit with their mind. I guess <laughs> I mean just has how major like Quagunjin explaining like yeah, apparently this fungus in your body <laughs> makes you able to shoot lightning. I think. <laughs> Something I wish they, I wish they had explained it in the movie the way you're explaining it. They 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 told me at Jedi school that you could do shit with it. You could push things, and apparently that fungus pushes stuff. That's what Yoda said. He said something about that. I don't know. I mean, he you know how that motherfucker is always talking backwards speak. It's hard to tell what he's saying, but <laughs> fungus that's what does it. So yeah, the Force was said to be cool and mystical and. Something that theoretically anybody can do with enough training. Nope, you have to be born with fucking bacteria in your blood. So yeah, of course. Sorry, <laughs> you got to run on a little rant there. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry, but that it kind of that's one of the things that always irked me about it. You know, uh, it irks so many people. I yeah. I completely agree with you. And you know, I would have done a couple other things like Darth Maul for me was there's something indescribably awesome about that character and he doesn't well, do a damn thing well, that's what I, I was thinking when you were talking about keep the darth maul stuff essentially saying the same what was his purpose like was he just after like did they ever explain what his explicit purpose is is he after to kill qui-gon and obi-wan is that what he's doing i guess he's just trying to disrupt their path like he's trying to throw a wrench in everything for, yeah but for see, the... then that kind of fails because hmm. you see that like the Emperor Palpatine, his whole plan was for the embargo and rebellion and stuff to fail. So it kind of defeats the purpose if he's got this guy running around doing shit if he wants it to fail from the beginning, you know? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, I guess you can make the argument that they, Maul's purpose was kind of to show the hand of the Sith and make it known to the Jedi that there was a threat out there and they were going to take over. Yeah, yeah, I, I see that. That makes that makes more sense than. Yeah, I guess yeah, maybe his bay job was to have a double sided lightsaber and look cool. Yeah, that's the that's the thing though. It's hard to say what his purpose is when the character doesn't really even talk for like more than one more than one scene. So I would like to see more fleshed out with him to make him a legitimately more like a legitimately better threat than he was. Even though I still love. Like, I love the visual look of the character. I love the fact that he can do things so advanced. Like, like he's a, easily the most formidable fighter yeah. as far as, like, Jedis go. Like, evil Sith Lords and all that. Like, like um, he beats Christopher Lee. <laughs> like, 80-year-old Christopher Lee doing that crap. Yeah. And that's one thing, too, that I kind of felt was kind of like the way that, like, the, the lightsaber fight in... The uh, the prequels are so much different than what we see in the original series. It's almost kind of jarring, you know. They go from this, you know, in the in the original uh, trilogy of the kind of the samurai, the hack and slash stuff, to all of a sudden just like basically fire foo. Yeah, I mean, there was no continuity. That's one thing too. That I mean, the big problem with the movies is just the whole continuity, you know. Yeah, I mean. It just doesn't match up. A lot of stuff doesn't match up with what come before it. Well, here's the thing. Also, Lucas said, like, whenever it was brought up, why is 
the prequel trilogy like a lot shinier and a lot neater compared to like the grimier <laughs> world of the original trilogy. And Lucas said, "Oh, well, that's because war, you know, tore it up and yeah, and all that." And it's like you can tell it's like a really flimsy on the spot excuse when he says it. And I'm like, "No, you you could have done it better." Like, like you, you just wanted to make everything nice and shiny because you're. You had money. You, you have a hard on for CGI. That's that's yeah. why you made all of that the way it was, and that's that's this... another big thing. Cut down CGI. Do uh-huh. it. Do it more practically, like the other films. Like try and make like models and stuff. Yeah, and you would think that in this day and age, that it shouldn't. It wouldn't be with the overuse of CGI. Maybe I'm wrong, but. You think it'd be cheaper to do models and stuff than actual CGI, and it's not like Lucas couldn't afford it, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I was gonna say I think it's actually cheaper to do CGI, but well, yeah. Lucas, I, Lucas is like, dude could sell like a fourth of his like fortune, and he would make like he'd be able to make at least ten Star Wars movies. Exactly. Um, but uh. But yeah, I, I I think that would be if if there were ever remade, that would be something that you need to do is make the continuity mesh more um, with the originals, and also, uh, what do you think about like the whole <laughs> quote unquote love story? I I mean I like the idea of it revolving around love and that there's a big tragedy that spurns him towards the dark side and all of that. Yeah. Like I like the I like the idea of that. It's just that the fact that my big problem with it is that Anakin never acts like a hero. Like you, you never see why Obi Wan holds him in so re- such yeah. regard in like the the like the future. If all he's doing is acting like a little shit, exactly. And even then, like yeah, sure he can fly good, but like he can't like lightsaber worth the shit, you know, because he gets his fucking hand chopped off by. Uh, what's his face? Uh, Dooku. You know, that's really like one of the only times we see him fight. Like, I know he fights a few other times in the, in the third one, like Obi Wan and stuff. But like, you know, it just—I agree with what you're saying. It just doesn't seem like what they set him up for in the in the originals didn't really nah. seem to match with what we got. No, and also, and also is less impactful because you you have to see him like you have to see the good in him. Before you see like him eventually go down towards the darker path, yeah. So I, yeah, that was that's probably the big thing I would change the most is that I would make Anakin a lot more noble. Like I would, I would make him like they do three films, so have it in the second one where he is a hero, like he is this person that you can honestly not see become Darth Vader. Like it, it yeah. almost seems like he he's changing his own destiny and then the third one everything goes wrong and by the end of that it's like yeah he's he's vader um so you wouldn't (laughs) you wouldn't get rid of the fact that anakin built c-3po you just don't keep that (laughs) as dumb as it is it's like i can't really argue it because it's not like they ever said he didn't that's that's (laughs) loophole Remember, yeah, I, I, you could use that for anything, though. You're like, you know, of course, Superman didn't kill Batman's parents, but they never said he did. So <laughs> Superman killed Batman's parents. 
Joe Chill or Sully Clark Kent in disguise. Show me explicitly where they said Superman did not kill Batman's parents, and I will believe it. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess I see your point. But, but uh, like, I mean, I don't know. Like, it just felt like it was kind of like a, like, it felt like pretty much like they wanted to give the guy who played C-3PO, like, a, you know, some work. Yeah. I'm, and so. They could have integrated him into it a little better. Just or later. just Or just, well, not even that, but just make it like a different robot. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's, you could say that. Yeah, it didn't need to be that C-3PO because, you know, you could say it was another model or something. But just like, you know, the the flimsy excuse for like five minutes left, like, oh, by the way, uh, wipe these dudes' memories, you know, yeah. wipe, wipe these George's memories. So, yeah, they don't remember any of this shit. And yep. that's what they always talk about. Like, I think some people complain, like, you know, even though Darth Vader saw C-3PO and R2-D2, he never once, you know, hey, it's a fucking robot I built, you know, he's he's over there. What the fuck's he doing? One of the two things I would keep is um, Jimmy Smith's as Leia's as Leia's dad. Oh yeah, the it's, only Puerto Rican in space. Yes, yes, the dude is awesome. I just imagined for some reason I thought of uh, Star Wars Puerto Rican. <laughs> His lightsaber is like a switchblade. Yeah, never, never bring up races around you. I, I, I don't know what I was. I'm thinking. sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm yeah. not sorry. I I don't regret anything. No, 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 no. I know, I know. You you push like like you would you would have him push his uh you would have him push the Millennium Millennium Falcon across uh a space a space border. He his uh his spaceship would have hydraulics in it. Oh, that's another thing actually I, that I was thinking about. It's like you you cover all the characters. Why not go the full Monty and just Mention a solo family, like like yeah. not not show it, but mention it at least. Yeah, and like, I mean, also too, you know, they used fucking Chewbacca, you know, in the third, and they shoved him in there. They shoved Boba Fett in there, you know. Yeah. They shoved in like a character like Boba Fett, who necessarily I don't feel was necessarily deserving to be in it, but um, yeah, that's just my gripe about Boba Fett. But yeah, you know, I don't show fucking Han Solo. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, th- I I agree with their reasoning. There's no way a kid could play Harrison Ford. <laughs> the only thing they should have done is have Harrison Ford play young Han Solo. <laughs> I mean, don't even make him up or anything. Just have like sixty. What he's almost is he seventy now? I think he's seventy. Yeah. He's around seventy. Have you know seventy ish year old Harrison Ford playing like a ten year old Han Solo? You know. <laughs> hey, I want to take a nap. I need juice boxes. <laughs> <laughs> That's that that would that would need to be a must. And he's tripping balls the entire time. <laughs> that that would be non-negotiable if they wanted us to make that film. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, I would want to make one version of the film. That would be your cut of it. Like you would release a separate DVD just to spite me with all of his scenes intact. Fuck you, MB cut. That's what I call it. <laughs> exactly. It would be the theatrical release. <laughs> but okay, okay. We've if we talked about just the Star Wars prequels, I think we'd be here like three hours at least. <laughs> yeah, I know. So, so what's your first? 
Like, what's, you, what's the movie you would want to remake the most? Like, what's something that didn't meet your expectations? Huh. Um, movie didn't meet my expectations. I've been thinking about this. I'm having a hard time, like... Uh, <laughs> uh, mm, damn it. I had one. Shit, hold on. Give me a second. Let me think. What was it? Oh, I remember now. Um, Did you ever see there was this film... With uh, Matt Damon and uh, Robert De Niro, he directed it called The Good Shepherd. Um, you yeah, I've, I've I've heard of it. I've, like uh, I've seen, I've seen a couple quotes from it and stuff. Like it's a fifties kind of period piece. Um, well, it's, uh, it goes from the forties, maybe even the thirties, into the sixties. And what it is is it's a um, story. Uh, Matt Damon is he's it's about the CIA. Matt Damon goes from being a college student to like uh, the chief, uh, like uh, not the head, but like the head of counterintelligence for the CIA. It's very much about the founding of the CIA, and Matt Damon's character is based off of uh, a guy named James Angleton, who was in real life the counterintelligence chief of the Central Intelligence Agency. And it was an alright film, but uh, it could have been so much better. I thought just it felt like it was too slow and like too. Uh, I don't know. It just well, that's the that's the problem with historical doc like the historical biographies in a way like like yeah. history pieces. It's like you can only do so much to make it exciting unless it's like a war movie. Yeah, and I mean to be honest, because like that's sort of one of the problems was because the character was you know he wasn't like you know in World War Two he wasn't out there you know shooting Nazis in the face or anything. He was behind the desk. You know, yeah, and that's kind of that. That would be kind of a problem. But I mean, I think the film could have been bit a lot better. Um, if they they could have done some stuff differently, but um, there was that one, and there was another film too. Oh, um, another film that you probably haven't seen. <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna get on me this, but this one is a historical kind of thing too. Is it's um, I'm already on you for that. Alexander that uh, uh, Oliver Stone made a couple years ago. Well, I say a couple years ago. It's probably about eight years now. But um, Yeah, I can see that, actually. Did you ever watch it? I've never watched it, but I know its reputation. Like, it's it's severe disappointment. It's kind of a weird movie. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of stuff Oliver Stone kind of focuses on that I didn't really uh, agree on. I think... Especially Colin Farrell was kind of miscast as Alexander. Yeah. Um, I don't know who could have played him, but um, now we'll give credit. Val Kilmer was pretty awesome as uh, Philip II. This is Val Kilmer slightly before, like this is right before Cap Fal Cap. What the fuck his name is? I'm tongue tied, but this is right before he got fat. You know, <laughs> this is like the last one of the last few films of skinny Val Kilmer. <laughs> um, and then Angelina Jolie was great too. Is she was uh, Alexander's conniving mother? Um, but just they got bogged down in some stuff, and like well, Oliver Stone kind of makes it kind of political and stuff. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm just thinking like a brief tan- like a brief uh, interruption here. What if Val Kilmer played Elvis like through his skinny years and his fat years? By God. I would pay to see that. I, I would. Know. I, I I would pay. 
I would make uh, the studio. I would pay the studio to make that film. Yeah, yeah. You pay uh, like a personal <coughs> trainer to get Val Kilmer skinny again, then fatten him back up. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I would. I would love to see that. But um, yeah. Back to Alexander. Um, but yeah, I mean, and one thing, one of the problems too is it's so it's it's so long, and I understand it's a historical thing, but. There was a lot of fat they could have cut from it, I felt. And it's nearly 200 minutes long, just to give you an idea how long yeah. it is. But, um, but, yeah, there was that. And what about you? Any other ones for you? Yeah. Um, well, first of all, I think the big problem with Alexander is that it's not a story about me where you're trying to kill me. <laughs> Agreed. Like, like where you're trying to poison me and trying to stab me and all that, like all the old classic tropes of, of uh, like the Romans and the, and the Greeks. That 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 would be my roommate. You would be Alexander, and I would be uh, crap. What was his name? Cassandra, Alexander's um, closest general and speculated lover who may or may not have killed him. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, wow, that fits a lot more than I intended. <laughs> Except, I'm sorry, but you're not. You know, you're nowhere near as boyish and charming to be Alexander the Great. So, sorry. Well, it's. Uh, I mean, I, I get a pass because I have the name. But you could be. You know, Anthony Hopkins is in the film. You could be him. Wait, wait, wait. wait. You're, you, you say I'm not. Good, I'm not good enough to be Colin Farrell, but I'm good enough to be Anthony Hopkins, one of the like the greatest actors. Well, in I'm Hollywood. talking about looks wise. You could be Anthony Hopkins, but. Now I will admit, Colin Farrell may not—he may not be able to act his way out of a paper bag sometimes, but he is a very handsome man. I give he is. That. And I actually argue he's a pretty good actor. He just has terrible roles sometimes. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, but as far as movies I remake, there's a movie from like like my late childhood that I that I actually really liked when I was uh, growing up. I was. It was kind of my introduction, like, sort of the step into horror movies, like my love of horror movies. And it started It started first when I watched Jaws, and then I watched this film. And you'll see why I was attracted to this film, just based off the fact that I watched Jaws and became attached to that. Um, have you ever seen Deep Blue Sea? Oh, yes. Fucking shark ate me. That's <laughs> Because I, I think I remember seeing that death scene, Samuel Jackson's death scene, because it's hilarious. <laughs> we all have to stick together. Shark jumps up and kills him, right? <laughs> exactly. And, and, of course, you know, the blonde Thomas Jane is in it way before he was ever the Punisher. Yeah, isn't like, like LL, LL Cool J like make it to the very end or something? Yeah, yeah, him and LL Cool J. Because he's like a... He's like a chef or something. Yeah, LL Cool J is the, like, they're in, like, an underwater sort of laboratory place, and he's, like, the chef. He has a parakeet that he talks to. Um, <laughs> it's, like, it's a very formulaic uh, action movie. But I thought the idea behind it was kind of brilliant, actually, is that they genetically mutate sharks to create these cures for diseases because sharks have these genes that they could extract and use to essentially create the the super medicines that that we need like to cure cancer yeah. and all that and i thought that the idea of that and then it turning rogue on them 
that could actually be scarier than Jaws ever was. Like, that could actually make a better shark movie than... Well, not a better shark movie than Jaws, but a, a scarier modern version of Jaws for sure, which is kind of what they were trying to do in the f- movie. And also, one of the big one of the big problems with the movie is that when you see the sharks, because of what they have to do and everything, it's half... It's half... Um, practical, like there are some practical effects, uh-huh. but some most of it is CGI, and it's the most terrible CGI <laughs> you've ever. Like it's like a you, it's practically like a two D cartoon coming out. Like um, it's like the stuff you see on the Sci Fi Channel. It's the Sci Fi Channel stuff looks better. Dear God, no, that can't be possible. <laughs> Have you ever seen the scene? Where mega shark, I think it's supposed to be where a fucking shark jumps from the water and eats a plane. I've I've seen shark to puss, man. That's what it is, shark to puss. I've 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 seen shark to puss. I mean I've seen the shark to puss. I haven't seen the actual movie, but yeah, the shark to puss, and that's a Roger Corman production, by the way. So it's oh, like, yeah, it course. doesn't even strive for quality, but it's like that's better than the CGI in Deep Blue Sea. And, you know, it's made by the director, uh, Rennie Harlan, who directed The Long Kiss Goodnight. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's actually... Have you ever seen that film? Yeah. I don't actually... I've always liked that film. And that was kind of like his one-hit wonder. Like, yeah. Like, ever since then, he's made stuff like... Uh, he made that... He made, like, a movie with John Cena, the wrestler. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> um, I know he made... Like, he's famous. He made a... Uh, a film, Cutthroat Island. That was a horrible flop. Yeah, Matt, Matthew Modine was in that one. Uh-huh. Um, he made that... You, you know the, the Exorcist prequel, Exorcist the Beginning, or whatever? Um, uh, I think so. Isn't it like, it's the young priest from the beginning? Yeah. Is that young, the priest from... Yeah, he was uh, played by, what's his name from the Avengers? And Thor. Uh, Stellan Skarsgård. Oh, cool, yeah. I've never seen it. Uh, I remember when he came out, I never watched it, though. It's pretty terrible, <laughs> but um, yeah, it, it was just it was made by where it went wrong was that it was made by a director like an action movie formulaic director type dude who he it played more into humor a lot like a lot of it was humor. Um, it was just kind of kind of cliche in the end, like like they. You know, of course, they they kill the sharks off one by one, and it comes down to like the the one shark and and the person who created the shark. You know, the morally ambiguous one sacrifices himself at the end, and it's like, really, no. So I I think I would have made like a I think I would want to make like a much better version of that and keep mm-hmm. practical sharks because I think I. I think some CGI can look good, but mostly I, I like practical effects, so I, I try to keep it practical as possible. You'd want to use real sharks. Yeah, yeah, I would stick real sharks on Samuel L. Jackson and Tom Jane. Oh, well, they'd fire them off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely, yeah. without a doubt. Yeah, yeah, Thomas Jane would take out his Punisher guns. <laughs> uh, Samuel L. Jackson would just put a knife between his teeth. Let's go, motherfucker! <laughs> but, uh... Yeah, I, I would do that one. Um, I'm trying to think of other ones that I would potentially do. Like, um, I don't know. Um, there's actually an upcoming movie 
that's coming out that I think it's not so much that I w- would want to remake it because first of all I haven't even seen the movie it's not even out yet but you're that ambitious yeah it's just they made a decision along the line that I think is really a mistake uh, the Hobbit and they just really? made, they made the decision to make split it into three films like oh yeah they, that's just that's studios being just so fucking greedy you know yeah. Yeah, and that's that's one thing I would have wanted to change is like keep it one condensed movie because one thing that's a big problem with uh, the Lord of the Rings is that they space things out so long that people accuse the series of being boring. And I, I think that, like to just do like not only do it like a prequel for those who want to get introduced to the Lord of the Rings franchise, mm-hmm. but also to keep it in one film so you have all the entertaining stuff in there. Yeah, exactly, and I mean, I've read The Hobbit, and it doesn't necessarily warrant three films, you know, yeah. not at all, and it's even like the one book of The Hobbit is shorter than one book of The Lord of the Rings, and you know, they were able to adapt one book into one film, so. Yeah, 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 I mean, it's just, it, like you said, it boils just down to the studio. And actually, the the whole notion of like a trilogy that maybe could have done in one film, and though I know the film could have been done better, is uh, the idea of Twilight. No, all right, <laughs> we're, we're not we're not mentioning that at all on here. Moving on. Okay, what what do you? Um, one film. Uh, it's kind of interesting. It's a it's an older film, and I know. <laughs> I want. Can't wait till to hear what you think about this one. Um, now uh, this me, is a film. Let me, let me make a guess. Is it a historical piece? N- no, not necessarily. Um, I'm shocked. Go on. But um, this film is actually at the time it was very popular, and uh, a lot of the stuff it did was uh, kind of. Uh, Kind of brilliant, like a lot of the cinematography tricks and the stuff they did, you know, kind of uh, showed the uh, kind of kind of just um, stuff that like no one had done before when filmmaking. It was a silent film, and uh, like I said, it was a blockbuster. It was acclaimed when it uh, was made. So, uh, but the problem is, over time, it's been viewed in a bad light, and. It's kind of, with good reason, don't get me wrong, with good reason, but <coughs> the film is called The Birth of a Nation, and... I've heard of the title, I, uh, I, don't, know anything, I don't know anything about the movie. Well, what The Birth of a Nation is about is that it chronicles the relationship of two families in the Civil War in Reconstruction Era America, America, and it shows... In a good light, the plight and struggle of the KKK. <laughs> and if you watch some of these clips, <laughs> no, without dude. a doubt, the most racist film ever. Do you want to remake this? Yes. Why? Why not? Some people look at the way things are and ask why. I look at them and ask why not. Why? No. Why? Why? 
Why, damn you. Damn your racist heart. I have to do what I have to do. Okay, okay. Okay, enlighten me. What would you change, first of all? Nothing. <laughs> I knew it. I would add sound to it, but that'd be it. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> no. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. I, I can't even speak right now. <laughs> my mind can't even form thought. Like, I, th- I think you broke me. I think you found the perfect film for you to make. Exactly. I'm surprised you don't have that on, like, constant rewind in your house. I uh, I mean, I don't think you can ever... I don't think you can find it on DVD at all. I mean... No, yeah, no shit. <laughs> but, I mean, seriously, if you're listening to this, pause, go to YouTube, look up some clips. You'll just see how... I mean... There's blackface in it. I mean, the way they portray black people is just, you know, hilariously, you know, I mean, you can't, you can't be mad about it just because that's how ridiculous it is. (laughs) Yeah, I kind of, I mean, judging from like the Batman serial with like the the Japanese supervillain. Exactly. And that was what that was in the 40s. Yeah, and that was like a lighthearted take. Exactly, and this is from 1915, so you can imagine how it was. But yeah, Birth of a Nation. (laughs) Now, when you bring up silent movies, Mm -hmm. there's actually a movie I wouldn't mind seeing remade. Just because, okay, well, you think of like the idea of like a prospect of doing Dracula. Like an ad- another adaptation of Dracula, like a modern day adaptation of that movie, uh-huh. not set in the modern day, but just uh, released in the modern day. And it's like you kind of say, with all the different versions out there, you know, what could you do to really make it different? Well, what you could do is take the ideas that were presented in uh, the silent film Nosferatu, which is like sort of the Kmart version of Dracula. But it actually came before any Dracula movie. It was the unauthorized first movie of Dracula, and it's you know it's very it's very much a classic movie. Like people re- people remember that, especially for the visuals. Oh yeah, um, I can't remember the name of the guy who played Nosferatu. Yeah, that Max, was Max Shrek. Max Shrek. Yeah, I, for some reason I was thinking Max Shrek was the director. No, 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 no. Uh, it was it was the actor, but um, it. The guys, the guy was like the the first, I think, like one of the first to do like a prosthetic performance or something uh, like that. Like I, he, I thought maybe he was horribly deformed. <laughs> you would think, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, if to do a modern day version of that, that would actually be really cool. Like, like to be able to, especially if you played around with it the way that. Uh, they did with like German cinematography, yeah. which is a lot of what made the film so visually striking. Um, have you ever seen that film they made, Shadow with the Vampire? No, but I've always wanted to. With, with Willem Dafoe and John Malkovich. Um, yeah, that's very interesting, just the concept of the fact that, you know, Max Schreck is a real-life vampire, you know, unbeknownst to uh, these guys who hired him to play a vampire, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I've, I mean, I'm trying to think. Like, 
I can't imagine exactly how they would do it in a way where in a way where it would be like more valid than just flat out doing another Dracula movie. Yeah. Well, I I've never seen Nosferatu. Like, what's the obviously you know just based on what I know of him, you know, his character is not like <laughs> he can't be Dracula. He's not Bela Lugosi. You know, oh, charming. You know, blah blah blah. Yeah. Come into my house, you know, looking through my eyes. You know, he's well, kind of oddly they try to play it off that way, even though he's incredibly. You know, he's not the most sightly-looking person in that. Of course. He looks like, I imagine, how you look like. In real life? Yeah. <laughs> and the bony hands, the elongated ears. Yeah. Except you have hair. You have a little hair. <laughs> You're not that ugly, so. It's like, no wonder I'm obsessed with Batman. It's like, he's my idol because I look like him. You long to be him. Yeah. I long to be a bat. But, um... No, I, I mean the the plot is virtually the same. Uh, I mean, it, it was like the German version of Dracula. It's just like it, it had it did a couple things differently that was kind of cool. Like the the way he perishes is kind of neat in that it's. I think it actually created the notion of a vampire perishing in sunlight. Really, that wasn't like established by Bram Stoker. No, 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 no. Dracula could walk around at daylight in uh, oh. the original novel. Like so, a pulse. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's something I always find interesting about, like, the vampire mythos. Like, like really, even though they talk about, like, Dracula as being the main source of what started off, there's a lot of different stuff, like, that's been added to the mythos by different forms of media, different books and movies. Even, like, like you said, like, a big part of, like, you see vampires in modern-day media and stuff and, like, how, you know, like, the whole sunlight thing, that's a big part of their thing. Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't something Bram Stoker even used. No, I mean, the whole turning into bats thing, that was the Bela Lugosi film. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I I, I really want to see, like, before Dark Shadows, my dream was to have Tim Burton tra- tackle, like, a modern-day Dracula movie. He could even use Depp as, like, Harker or something like that. He, he desperately yeah. had to have Depp, but then Dark Shadows came out and it was like, Oh, that's his vampire film. Yeah, I mean, of course, it's going to be quirky. Never mind. Never mind. <laughs> um, I mean, to be fair, I haven't seen Dark Shadows, but from the reviews and and pretty much everything I've seen after the initial trailers is like, God damn it. But, but a vampire goes to McDonald's, that's hilarious. <laughs> Reveal yourself, tiny songstress. <laughs> I remember that from the first trailer. Yeah. But, um... I mean, well, like, would... You're, you're like, an avid reader. Yes. And, you know, you've read a lot of books that have yet to be made into, like, an adaptation. Mm-hmm. Like, what, what would you say are, like, a couple of books that you would want to see? Like, like you think it would make a pretty good film? Hmm, like... There's something we've talked about, we've mentioned before in passing, but, um... <laughs> like uh, Stephen King's uh, Dead Zone film. Uh, not Dead Zone film. Uh, well, that's one. His Dead Zone film was good. You mean Dark Tower? No, no. Well, have you seen the Dead Zone movie? No, I haven't seen the Dead Zone. Um, That's good. That could be something that maybe would be due for a remake. Maybe. If it could be remade. But I don't know. It's hard to top Cronenberg and Christopher Walken, you know? Yeah. 
Chris Walker the psychic is awesome. But um, but yeah, the Dark Tower. <laughs> I'm I'm sorry. When you said that, I was just trying to think of the SNL skit. Yeah, you've got your your daughter's going to walk on the floor. This is wet and slippery. Does she break her neck? No, she tracks money in the house. <laughs> oh, okay. Very hard to get rid of. Yeah. But um, the uh, the Dark Tower films, uh, the Dark Tower books. Um, uh, I almost want to say that's unfilmable, seriously, because it's just out there and very diverse. It's something like like uh. I don't think any studio ever would make it just because of the fact that, you know, first off, there's seven books. <laughs> um, Harry Potter had a massive fan base. That's what got it seven films. And films. not only that, but it's like you can follow along with Harry Potter pretty easily. Yeah. And you look at like something like uh, The Chronicles of Narnia, mm-hmm. which has a decent following. But, you know... It hasn't like the what they made three films, and other than the first, like the last, the second two, the the first film did all right, but the other two films didn't do all right, and they're pretty much never going to make uh, a Narnia film for the foreseeable future, you know. Mm. And they had a pretty decent fan base, and the Dark Towers fan base is very cult, you know. It's got a cult fan base. There's no way they would make um, an expensive movie like that, you know. Yeah. Ever. And maybe they wouldn't even make the first movie, let alone the next six. Now, what, but, are, your, what are your thoughts on, like, The Stand? Because they're trying to get that off the ground. I now. would love to see a Stand film. Um, the Stand is definitely, of all my Stephen King books I like, The Stand is probably my favorite. Um, just because it's just such an epic film. And now that's one film that I think works better with two films, you know, instead of making it into, like, a two hour movie. Mm-hmm. Um, they made a <clears throat> a miniseries back in the nineties. Um, I've seen some of it. They the guy they cast as Randall Flag was very underwhelming, but um, a lot of the different other roles were cast pretty perfectly. I thought um, yeah. Gary Sinise was cool, um, but uh, yeah, I think that would work well as a film. Uh, the Stand. Uh, just it just seems like it would do just because like you know post apocalyptic stuff is kind of in mm-hmm. right now. But the only thing is that like you know it's not like zombies or any other hook. It's just you know humans fighting other humans. Mm-hmm. But um, and that thinking of uh, while we're on Stephen King, like there's if you think about some of his, the movies based off of his work, like there are some. That are, I mean, obviously there are some that are good, you know, Carrie. Yeah. Um, what's that? Misery. Yeah, Shawshank Redemption. Don't forget that. Yeah, and isn't the Green Mile his too? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I mean, of course he's got like a bunch of hits under his belt, but there are also a lot of uh, misses. Yeah. And one that kind of springs to mind to me, despite the performance of the lead guy. I think you know where I'm going with this. I might. Uh, the It miniseries. Oh, yes. Um, yeah. I mean, Tim Curry was brilliant in that. But, yeah, yeah the rest of the cast uh, left a lot to be desired. There was a lot of them. But, like, It kind of... Like, my father read It, and he complained about it. Like, because, like, in the end, how it's revealed that, you know, Pennywise is a giant fucking spider. 
Yeah. You, you think felt. John Peters would be involved in that somehow? <laughs> a giant steampunk spider. <laughs> driven by Kenneth Branagh. A legless Kenneth Branagh. Yeah. But, um... But no, I mean, it, that would be something that I think would warrant a movie. Um, I would put the stand slightly above it just because. You know, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've never, I've never read it, so I can't rightfully, you know, comment on it. Well, uh, I think, I, th- I just think the idea of actually making, like, the supernatural clown movie to be quite terrifying because there are a lot of people who have the real, very real fear of clowns. Yeah, and when the It miniseries came out, I was young. And between Jack Nicholson's Joker and Tim Curry's Pennywise, <laughs> I fucking hate clowns. <laughs> I cannot stand them at all. <laughs> so that's the key to defeating you. Clowns. That's the that's the key to stopping you from making that really racist movie. That's what I'll be on the set of Birth of a Nation. You come in dressed as a clown. <laughs> oh God, no! <laughs> I have slayed the beast. This film they will have, be no more. They have come for me. <laughs> you honk your nose. <laughs> and the big shoes. Mother of God. I mean, they all float down here. <laughs> no. But, um, I, was, I was still saying like the deadpan series. This fate, yeah, like voice. they all float down here. <laughs> But yeah, I, I mean, I mean, what what are some other books? Let's see. I'm trying to think. Um, one book that I read recently, I think would make a very good film, is um, this book I told you about it called The Rook. Yeah. Which you said the, it's like X Men meets Buffy the Vampire Slayer with what else was it? It was like uh, Checkmate. You know the Checkmate DC Comics series. Yeah. And uh, it's a little bit like adult Harry Potter, just a touch of that, because it's still in like a mystical world, kind of. But what the Rook is about, it's about a uh, a lady who is the head, she's not the head, but she's one of the senior officials of a British Secret Service agency who deal with supernatural threats in London, or not London, but England and the UK, and like the the staff is people with superpowers and stuff. And, um, yes, yeah, it's, it's a very awesome book. Uh, I really enjoyed it. I'm looking forward to the actual... They're supposed to be making a sequel, so I'm looking forward to that. But um, I think that would translate well to a film. And who wrote? Who uh, writes that one? Um, Daniel O'Malley, I think's his name. He's, um... Which is weird, because, alright, the book is... It's set in England. Daniel O'Malley is like an Australian-American or something. Mm-hmm. I think he's like he's born in Australia. He was raised some in America. It's very confusing the ge- the whole geography of the situation. <laughs> that's what that's what outrages you. Yes, exactly. Right about Australia, uh, damn Aussie. <laughs> You'd be on the birth of a nation set. Yeah, I'd walk in as the clown. <laughs> An Australian clown. <laughs> What's the distinction there? You'd have a boomerang. Oh. Yeah, I guess that speaks for itself. Good eye. Oh, oh. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, but what? What about you? Like, I know you're not a big reader, but is there no. any? I mean, I, um, I I'm just not a I'm not a book guy. 
I'm a, I'm a comic book guy. I'm not a book guy. Is what my thing is. Is I just don't. I. I, th- I think it's just I don't like to just do something like sit there for a while and just like read read a read a bunch of text. That's that's really what it just boils down to. You don't have enough patience. No, no, I I don't at all. But um, I don't know. I mean, there's a couple things that I love that are based off books. Um, I mean, Jaws is probably the most famous. I actually tried to read the Peter Benchley novel for that and I couldn't get through it because again I just the the patience factor um I don't know like as as far as books are concerned uh Christ cuz there's there's not I've really read that I could base it off of yeah. it's it's more of like well well I know this made a good movie the first time so maybe it'd make a good remake I don't know but um, I mean, there are a couple like like maybe The Exorcist. Like I, I think uh, demonic possession movies in general have become like the shadow of that movie. Like, yeah, like, I mean, it's, well, it's, to it's be that fair, movie. I mean, The Exorcist really. What was there before The Exorcist? I mean, it's sort of like you know, Night of the Living Dead. I mean, it set the genre. It yeah. started, and I think. As shocking and as horrifying as that movie was at the time, you could actually like if someone actually tried to make a scary one again. Like there was there was a couple movies that came out this year that based that are based around that, and what they're basically doing is copying that film. Is yeah. like they're just copying comic like just basically carbon copy movies of that or car- carbon copy films. But um, I'm sorry, it's it's the morning. But uh, I, I think if you try to actually pull off something genuinely unsettling and, and terrifying by today's standards, you might actually succeed. Like it's it's much more about like the idea of portraying a, zo- a genre in the right way. Yeah. Like if you, if you get what I'm saying, like I I think there's also great ways to do horror movies, great ways to do action movies that no one's really tackled yet um like like visually like scott uh zach snyder like say what you will about his use of slow-mo and everything his films are breathtaking like to look at yeah and i think like that's really what a lot of films need more of just to set them apart from like the usual fare yeah yeah i mean i agree with you on that point that yeah just because like Something hasn't been done before doesn't mean, you know, that genre in particular, you know. Yeah. There's nothing you can't do in it, you know. Yeah, yeah, like like they've done everything. Like, no, they haven't done everything. And there there have been ways to do stuff like that, but we're, we're kind of getting off topic a little bit. Yeah, we are, a little bit. Um, remakes, as far as remakes are concerned, like... I, there aren't too many other movies I would remake. I guess if we want to get into the comic book movies a little bit, like just a little. Yeah. Um, there are a couple that stick out. You know, there's uh, Green Lantern, like we said. Yeah. The big thing, the big thing with that is the plot, because there was barely one. 
like in the final film. Like it just kind of it felt like a dumb movie, like just something that just went from point A to point B to point C. It, it was done. Roll credits. Like nothing, nothing really felt like it was done. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, they kind of like one of my big complaints with the film was how the whole thing about how how Jordan and Hector Hammond knew each other. Just hey, what's up, dude? You know, I know, I've known you. Don't worry about the fact that we've never shown this to anybody or spoken to anybody. But yeah, we're just it's something that the writers pour out of their ass to kind of make the final fight seemed more interesting than it actually was. Yeah. yeah but, I, mean, um, I mean, there was a lot of just laziness in the movie, too. Yeah. That's really what bogged it down. It's like, it all comes from the script, because they had the visuals. Um, maybe they could have done a little bit different with the costume. The costume could have been... Or at least give them, like, a practical mask. Like, a physical mask. Yeah. And one thing I do think that hurt it is that they took... What makes, like, Green Lantern kind of unique, like, him being a space hero, you know, space cop and stuff. Mm-hmm. And they grounded, what, like, 80% of the film in, in on Earth. Yeah. Yeah, Which, yeah, yeah. I know it's origin story and all, but still, you know. Well, that's like, that's like doing a TV show about Superman and never having him in the suit to the last <laughs> episode. Come on. That makes no sense. I mean, thank God that's never happened. Yes, but really uh, lucky. but no, I mean I completely agree. The thing is that it's like they have him train for about like five minutes, and then he's done. He, he's yeah, completely exactly. good. He's like, hey, yeah, cool. You made a sword with your ring, so you, therefore you can be a Green Lantern. And what kills me about it is that technically, if they made a sequel, they could still follow the continuity because they didn't change much, like of the Green Lantern mythos. Yeah, it was just like, like a lazy version of it. Yeah, and I, I people give Ryan Reynolds a lot of flack for his performance as Hal Jordan. I thought he was really good in some scenes. Yeah, I mean he did. I mean he was Ryan Reynolds. You know how he kind of he's kind of like that in a lot of movies. You know how yeah. So. Yeah, I mean he he's hired to be Ryan Reynolds, but at the same time <laughs> it's like it kind of works for Hal in some. Yeah, it does. It did. And Mark Strong's Sinestro is fucking perfect. Yeah, pretty much all the. All of the Green Lanterns, other Green Lanterns, were perfect, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Michael Clark Duncan, sadly. Of course, he can't uh, reprise his role anymore. (laughs) But, um, you know, Jeffrey Rush's Tomar Ray was, like, one of my favorite parts of the movie. That was one of the good moments. And um, even though he he wasn't in it much, but um, uh, I can't remember his name, but he was Abin, sir. Oh, oh, Tomar Morrison or whatever. Yeah. Like the dude that played uh, Django Fett. Django Fett, yeah. Yeah, I mean, they had all the right ingredients there, except I think it was a director that really didn't care and a script that was just kind of lacking. And I would say, even though she wasn't in it too much and she was kind of wasted, I did think that uh, uh, Amanda Waller, uh, Pam Greer, wasn't it Pam Greer? Yeah, Pam Pam Greer. Uh, No, 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 no. no, 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 Angela Angela Bassett. Yeah, Pam Greer is the Smallville. Yeah, I'm getting my 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 tough, stern black ladies mixed up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was it was CCH Pounder who was Amanda Waller in this one, right? Am I right, or am I getting confused? <laughs> For a second, I thought you were serious. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, she was kind of shoehorned in there to be like, oh, we can do the same thing as Marvel. 
Yeah. Wink, wink. <laughs> and obviously they're not going to do that. So. And it was so bizarre because they went over, like, there was that scene where Hector Hammond touches her and sees, like, her thoughts. Yeah. And they show, like, her entire backstory. That's the most fleshed out a character is in that movie, and she's not even the main character. I know. Ah, oh, my God. And I think I think one thing that needed to be done was you talk about Ryan Reynolds maybe just being Ryan Reynolds. Um, Blake Lively, Carol Ferris. Like I hate to be oh, like that's who she that's who she was playing. I thought she was just Blake Lively as herself. Yeah, you know, brunette wig or whatever. Well, I mean, to be fair, like up until like she became Star Sapphire, Carol Ferris really didn't have much personality. No, she had a bit of a personality. Like she was a strong-willed, sassy woman. Like, like, like she was basically the lowest lane to Hal Jordan. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, that's that's a whole other conversation. Like miscasts, especially like lewd women. Like uh, apparently, there's no good written role for a woman unless it's like Haley Atwell in Captain America. Yeah. But um. Like what? What about uh, like another comic film for you? Would you want to see? Um, first off, um, this is something that has been in the news lately, just because of you know some stuff that come out a uh, couple of weeks ago, month ago, whatever. Is uh, a remake of the Daredevil film, which while the original Daredevil film in and of itself isn't that bad. There's a lot of good stuff in it. Especially the director's cut. Yeah, uh, I still, I've always wanted to see the director's cut. It's in the director's cut. Yeah, but um, I do think that, even though we were kind of ragging him earlier, I do think Colin Farrell did great as Bullseye in that film. And Michael Clark Duncan as uh, Kingpin. You know, very unconventional choice as Kingpin. But yeah, he made he made something out of it. Yeah, um, I do think that Ben Affleck and Jeff Garner left something to be desired as Matt and Electra. Even when I was 13, and I like Ben Affleck, like, I'm not someone who joins, like, on the bandwagon when everybody's mocking him and everything. I think he's a genuinely good actor when he wants yeah, to Yeah, I think be. so, too, yeah. It's just that, for some reason, like, everything he did felt forced to me. Yeah. Like, like, his narration, you know, him trying to be a badass, him trying to, you know, do a fight scene, it just felt like, come on, dude, you're from Boston. You're Ben Affleck. Yeah. Like, like you're not gonna pull off like the the street tough New Yorker. Yeah. Why don't you? Why don't you? Uh, lying attorney. <laughs> why don't you go uh, strand Bruce Willis on an asteroid to go marry Liv Tyler again? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Le- leave. Best. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But um, I, I agree with you. And Jennifer Garner, like, she doesn't look the least bit like Electra. Uh, she doesn't really act like she could be of a different nationality. She yeah. seems like just the girl next door. Well, that's what I say. Electra, I don't think Electra being Greek was <clears throat> that important. No, 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 no. I mean, but yeah, like she didn't really. I guess because like in this version, she wasn't really an assassin until like you know at, towards the end of the film. Yeah. But she never really had that edge that you know. Yeah. About Electra being like a deadly killer or anything, but um. Also, in terms of like remaking it, as far as the story goes, I think one of the big problems of the movie is that it tries to fit everything into two hours. Like it tries to fit Daredevil's origin, the death of Electra, the introduction of Bullseye, you know, the Kingpin stuff from like a little bit of um, uh, Born Again, 
Like, it yeah. tries to fit all the mainstay Daredevil stuff into two hours, and it's like, you really can't do that without the plot really kind of suffering and being rushed. So Yeah. Um, and one thing I would like is um, maybe a slightly darker tone, because, I mean, the Daredevil film wasn't necessarily that light and funny, you know? Yeah. But I think, like you said, how the radar cut seemed like it did long, went a long way to making the film better. Yeah, I think you would like that version just because it actually has Matt doing, like, a court case. Like, there's an actual mystery going throughout the movie. Yeah. As far as, like, the court stuff. Like, it, there's one scene where uh, Affleck actually interrogates a dude. And it's it's actually kind of a badass scene. Like, that's the one scene I could buy him as Matt Murdock. But, um, yeah, Daredevil, Green Lantern. Um... I don't know, like other comic book movies. I, um, I, don't, no, I don't know necessarily I would remake them. Like, I I don't really want to see a movie about Steel. Oh, God, no. <laughs> I uh, Catwoman, like, it would take a lot of setup to, for me to want to see a Catwoman movie, to be honest. Like, it would take, it would take like, a pre-established version of Catwoman, like Anne Hathaway's Catwoman. That's what I was saying. What if Anne Hathaway was doing Catwoman? You'd be, you'd be there in a heartbeat. Oh, as, as, in a second. That um, uh, one film that I think needs to be remade or film series, whatever, would be uh, the Fantastic Four films. <laughs> yeah, yeah, those for sure. Um, and they're talking about doing it actually. To be in fairness, <laughs> yeah. But, but uh, did you see the news about how Mark Millar is oh, going to be consulting? Oh so yeah, that oh, means God. that means Reed Richards. Well, um, yeah, I don't want to know what Reed's going to do, but I'm pretty sure Ben Graham will probably shit pebbles at some point in the story because that's kind of how Millar probably... That's how I imagine him writing Fantastic Four. Well, he... I mean, didn't he write Ultimate Fantastic Four? Like yeah, he wrote part of it. Oh, yeah, yeah, Bendez was... Old. Him, Bendis, um, Warren Ellis had a great run, but yeah, I was, I was just joking. But, but I mean... In Fantastic Four, I don't think Tim Story knew what it, he wanted it to be. Like, like when he sat down and wanted the movie to be this, and then it ended up being more of like a straightforward superhero film. Yeah, I mean, which is like, even, like, which is like part of what makes the Fantastic Four cool is the whole uber sci-fi element. Exactly, and it just felt like, like I don't know, like the first movie especially. Um, isn't bad and it's not good, you know. Yeah, it isn't horrible and it isn't good. Um, it just felt like it was just there a lot of times. I mean, now there are the the two best things I can say is uh, Chris Evans. I always loved his performance as Johnny and Michael Chiklis as the thing. You know. Yeah, it still kind of weirds me out whenever I see Chris Evans as Captain America, just because he was so good as Johnny. Yeah. Like if if he had like turned in a bad performance as Johnny, I could have easily just overlooked it. But yeah, um, I don't know. Like like I've gone back and forth on Julian McMahon whether he could have if he tried. Like it didn't seem like he ever tried. Well, I don't think it was necessarily maybe that he didn't try. It's just that you know, it's what he had to work with. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Doom was the I think one of the biggest pitfalls of that franchise. Just his well, handling. 
that's what I'm saying. I think Doom actually hit their take on Doom was probably to me one of the worst characterizations of a character in any comic book film. I think. Yeah, it's just me personally. It's really, what does he have going for him? Like, I mean, what is, what is he doing? He's, I mean, yeah, he's rich and he's smart, and he's vaguely attached to Latveria, but he's nowhere near as awesome as he is in the comics. I mean, no. You know, I mean, and to be fair, it's like Doctor Doom is one of the greatest supervillains in comic book history. He is so, one, not only that, but one of the greatest names. In com- I mean, his name in and of itself is awesome. Yeah. I mean, literally, Doctor Doom. Yeah. It's the it's like the ultimate supervillain. But um, yeah, I agree with you. Um, I never hated Owen Yoan Griffold. Or you know, what? Whatever. How, how are the fuck you pronounce his name? I was call him Grufford. Grufford. I never minded him as as Reed. I just felt like they characterized Reed as a as a like just kind of a wimp. Well, not just that, but they also like one thing that always made Reed such a good character and unique is his intelligence. And while they say he's smart, he never really necessarily does anything. Proves more. Yeah, he does that trick at the end where they're talking about, you know, they make Doom's body all brittle and shit, but, I mean, that's like something, like they say, Kim 101, you know? Yeah. He never does anything to show that he's smart, you know, or he's Mr. Fantastic, other than, like, reaching for some toilet paper when he's on the shitter. (laughs) I mean, there are a couple scenes where I I think he does do some scientist-esque stuff, but it's like... It's so very typical. And, like, yeah. Reed Richards needs to be a little more than typical. Like, like this dude should be solving, like, 20 equations at once. But, well, uh... What'd you think of, uh... Jessica Alba? Fuck her. Yeah, I know you would. Fuck... No, I, I would, but still, fuck her. <laughs> that was the... I, I'm gonna go ahead and say it. That was the worst miscast role in a comic book movie. Like, like I don't think a single person on Earth liked that when that was, like, announced that they were the four. Like, it was announced, Jürgen Grofold is uh, Mr. Fantastic. You know, everyone was like, oh, yeah, yeah, Chris Evans is Johnny Storm. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. Michael Chiklis is the thing. Awesome. Jessica Alba is the miserable woman. Well, she's hot. She was. That's that's a thing that that actually kind of bothered me about it was that she was too hot. Like she she yeah. she she was too like she almost looked like not looked like a valley girl, but she looked like she would be she would almost be like a reality television star. Yeah, if that makes sense. Especially like in the second one, like they give like bleach blonde hair and stuff. Yeah, I mean, they they try to make her skin complexion, like, more Caucasian, even though she's kind of Latino. Yeah. And, um, but, yeah, I like, understand what you're saying. Like, yeah, it feels like, uh, like, you know, she's supposed to be a, uh, like, yeah, in this one, they kind of do the thing that I like. They make Sue kind of more of a scientist than just, like, Reed Richards' girlfriend at the time of the Rick. But, yeah, she doesn't really do anything to show that she's a scientist and... Like you said, she's done. The thing that always I thought worked with Sue was that she was supposed to be like the the ultimate girl next door kind of thing, you know? Yeah. And with Jessica Alba, they kind of. And also, she's 
one of the big points of the character is that she's supposed to be the mother of all these three children, essentially. Yeah. Like, like she's supposed to be the mother figure of the four family. And I can't, I'm sorry, I can't see Jessica Alba as like a mother figure. I can't see her as like, exactly. as someone with wisdom. Like she, she seems like she would walk around like talking on her cell phone. Like, oh, she, she, she could be text. a MILF, but. Yeah, I mean, technically now she has a kid and stuff, but at the time yeah, she was yeah. like, I mean, she's hot. I, I would never have kicked her out of bed and all that. Uh, like, yeah, I find that funny. Like, you would have a choice. <laughs> well, why you would? Oh no, I'm not saying I would. I'm just saying, you know. Yeah, yeah, I, I know, I know. But um, yeah. There. Okay, one more comic book movie I want to mention, and then we can move on to some of the other parts of this we're going to talk about. Um, there's a movie that I actually, for some reason, like, even though I know it's a terrible movie. But I always thought the character had potential to be a little something more than that, especially with the rise of, like, darker, serious superhero movies. Yeah. Um, Spawn. Oh. Spawn. Now here's here's what I like about it. I like all the actors involved. Like Martin Sheen plays the villain, uh, Jason Wynn. Uh, Michael Ja White. That's where he got his like his real big. Yeah. Like dude became Black Dynamite. <laughs> and Gamble, don't forget Gamble. <laughs> yeah, Nathan Gamble, and uh, you know he was a he was a pretty good spawn, all things considered. And John Leguizamo as the violator or the clown. Like that was a brilliant performance, actually. Like, he, even though you, it's kind, of, it's actually kind of freaky because he plays like a midget clown, and John Leguizamo is anything but. But he, he gives such a good performance that you almost kind of believe, <laughs> you he almost kind of loses himself in the role. Yeah. And um, like for that reason, I guess I kind of enjoy the movie. But beyond beyond the acting, like beyond the actors in, involved. There's not like a single redeemable element of the movie. It's just like it's dumb as hell. Like there's no real story. There's no real action. There's no real enjoyment to be had of it. Like like okay, I guess the one thing good I could say is that the costume is is done well. Yeah, and I do I did like some of the effects with this cape. Now I'm pretty sure that's probably dated now. Um actually that was something I was gonna mention. Like that's actually one of the notoriously worst oh, it is. of CGI. <laughs> well, fuck me, what I know. No, nah, I mean, what well, what were like? How old were you when you saw it? I saw it like when it first came out, or, or when it first came out, like on DVD. So, like nineteen ninety eight. Uh, not DVD, but VHS. That's that's how long it was. Yeah, nineteen ninety eight or so. That's that's one of yeah. the least. But uh, yeah, I've always liked like the Spawn comics. To some degree, like uh, at some point they become unintelligible, but uh, I I don't know. Like, it's, it can kind of work, especially with the recent Batman movies having done what they did. Like, it would kind of be like a commentary on antiheroes because that's what Spawn was. He was a commentary on antiheroes. He was like the ultimate antihero, like the guy that was morally ambiguous. He was Batman without a conscience. Yeah. 
and you know you had all this stuff like the mythology from like hell and all that and I think I think it could have been a really cool movie but uh, yeah yeah comic book movies there there are a ton more that we could probably talk about like I don't know I I can't I don't know what we would have done to remake Batman and Robin have us in the roles that's it Talk about a way to make Batman and Robin worse. <laughs> we would play all the roles. <laughs> you would be Poison Ivy. Yeah, yeah, I would be Poison Ivy. You'd be Freeze. Um, I would be Batgirl. We would take turns being Bane. <laughs> Monkey work. Why does Bane's height keep shifting? <laughs> <laughs> I just imagine us in the costume. I would, uh, I would play Commissioner Gordon and like force myself into every scene. <laughs> Be dressed even, up as... even like the Batcave scenes where <laughs> it's like, uh, Jim, Jim, how did you, how did you discover the place? Uh, never, never mind. I'm Jim fucking Gordon. <laughs> you would play like more of a true to form Gordon. You would play I, like I'd be Gary Oldman's Gordon. <laughs> um. Or, like, there'd be the, that real touching scene where, like, Alfred's, like, sick and stuff, and Bruce is talking to him heart to heart. I'd be standing in the background as Gordon watching. You would have a lampshade over your head. <laughs> trying to <laughs> my, blend in. My gun would be out, just, you know, just in case. <laughs> oh, God. I, I'm sure I'm sure we could find a role for Hero. Hmm. Poison. He could be Poison Ivy. I don't. I don't want to see him in that outfit. Oh, I do. <laughs> I, I'm, I, sure, I'm sure. I'm sure you do. I'm sure you do. I'd have that written into my contract. <laughs> God. Who Who would be Robin though? That's um, That's my only question. I would want to be Robin. I told you. You want to be Robin? Yeah, I'd be right. I'd pull double duty as Robin and Gordon. <laughs> would you Would you like amp up the the whininess? Uh, I'd probably highlight the nipples more. <laughs> I'd make them like yeah. You know, I'd I think I can't remember what color they were on the suit, but I'd make them like bright red. <laughs> you there's actually a scene where you can be seen in the background taking like a magic marker and writing over the nipples. Yeah, exactly. Ugh. Uh, I uh God, I I don't want to picture us in like with molded asses and all of that. I, I would say though, at least it, for us, we'd have a lot lot of room to keep stuff in those cod pieces. Yeah, that's true. That could be almost like another utility belt. Exactly, we'd have so much room. God, I don't know what's a bigger insult: what the joke we just did, or putting us in Batman and Robin. I would say Batman and Robin. No, not Batman and Robin, because Batman and Robin was a joke to start with, so. <laughs> That's why I said it. Okay. Okay, well, we talked enough about, like, remakes and and stuff we would want to do as far as, like, known material. Well, what about, like, films that you would want to make if you were just given a budget and say, just go make whatever you want, like, right now? Like, what what would be a film you would make off the top of your head? Like first um, of all, what genre would you make? Well, uh, first off, what? How long have we been recording? I just thought about it. 
I have no idea because we've been talking for like three hours. Jesus. Yeah, this might be a long one. Yeah. Um, Maybe I'll split it into like two parts. Okay. Uh, well, I was going to say, for me, I'm getting ready to hear you gripe. But I would like to see a historical drama if I could make a film. No, I'm not going to gripe because I expected it. <laughs> A historical drama of some kind. Just because, like, there's this book I've been reading. Um, I should have mentioned during the books, but probably not because it's uh, nonfiction. But um, I'm reading right now Rubicon. And it's about, like, the last hundred or so years of the Roman Republic. And it's a fascinating read. It just seems like something that, the way the narrative is presented and the characters and the, the history is done, it seems like it could be something that could translate well to film. Mm-hmm. Um, even if it's, I mean, you, it, it wouldn't even need to be the whole story. You could take like, there's a story of, um, the first Roman civil war. Uh, that would be a good, a good story or the second civil war with, uh, with Caesar. Something like that, I think would be dynamite on the screen. Uh, a movie like that. Um, what about you? Is there anything in particular? Well, just as an addendum to what you were talking about, mm-hmm. if I were executive producer, I would have to insist on even though it's not technically accurate to the time, maybe adding Caligula. <laughs> Caligula, he's like negative thirty-two years old at this point. He's just <laughs> running around on a horse. Say like, fuck you, this is my horse. He's the console now. <laughs> he marries everybody's wife. <laughs> Proclaims himself Jupiter. Um. As far as movies I would want to make, um, there's actually been a movie idea I've wanted to make that's kind of... Um, this may surprise you, but it's kind of like... It's not really based off anything. Like, it's just more of a general idea I've had for a while. Um, first of all, it's an action comedy. And it's mm-hmm. basically it's basically a parody of 80s action movies. Like like Die Hard and, and you know, what you would... It's, like some of the police, not the police academy films, but like Beverly Hills Cop and all that. Yeah, like the Arnold Schwarzenegger films. Oh yeah, yeah, Arnold Stallone. Any Arnold Schwarzenegger movie, but um, the idea is actually very simple. I think it could, I think this movie could be done with a relatively low budget. The idea is that it's about like this guy who's basically a cubicle worker. You know, he's a He's basically an introverted loser type of dude. It's not an it's not an autobiography. <laughs> I was thinking that, but I didn't want to say anything. Yeah, yeah, I, I can tell. Um, but it's you know it's about this guy who is essentially the least likely action hero you would ever see in your life. Who lives a very you know a very simple existence. You know he has a roommate, but he lives in like a crappy apartment and um. The one solace that he has is. Did you hear that? Yeah. What was that? It was my uh. Tell that was my television uh. Like my receiver thing for the digital cable. Uh. Fell off the TV, but um. What this guy would basically have, like all that he would have in his life, is hardcore pornography. Uh huh. 
And, so are you sure this is not an autobiography? No, 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 no. I, I'm not in. I'm not in hardcore pornography, but you, I'm in a bestiality. You're, you're you're more of a softcore man, though. Yeah, bestiality, softcore bestiality. But um, no, no. What would happen is that he would come home one night, and the premise of the movie would start here. He would come home. His house has been burglarized, and his hard drive full of hardcore pornography would be taken. And he would transform. He would turn into the most bloodthirsty motherfucker. He would become is, Liam Neeson. Yeah, he would become... Exactly. Like, he would become the guy from Taken. Like, he would he would torture people left and right. He would, <laughs> he would go through the underground with, like, AK-47s, guns blazing. And, and the best part is that he would still be dressed in, like, his cubicle attire. So he'd be wearing, like, a plain white uh, dress shirt. But he'd have like his his tie would be like a bandana, or like a headband rather, yeah. and and he would be tearing just through the criminal underworld, just looking for one burglar, and he would let, like run a file the mob, and it would become like this big bloody battle, um, like ending with sort of like this incredibly over the top explosion filled <laughs> battle between him and the mob, like the mafia don. <laughs> and it's just like it's it would be a complete entire spoof of that at the same time just kind of trying to show like a complete turn of a character like show show like a complete loser just snapping and turning into this bloodthirsty rambo type dude he went too far <sighs> they went too far when you still my porn they drew first blood. I imagine you like in the standoff with like some police officer, you know. <laughs> like the the shirt you said you got a dress shirt on, but it's like the sleeves have been ripped off and like your <laughs> arms are like flabby. <laughs> like, it never be over. You need to stop, you know. <laughs> I can't stop. They started it. <laughs> and I'm gonna finish it. <laughs> and the man's like, My God, what's wrong? Does he come to his senses? I found out one thing. You're going to need a good supply of something. What bullets, guns, what body bags. <laughs> oh, good. But yeah, that's actually one movie idea, like one script idea. One of um, the title, I'm coming for you. <laughs> Misspell all coming, you know, in the dirty way. I've actually gone through like a couple different titles. I don't know which, but that, <laughs> now I'm tempted to use that one. <laughs> oh god! But uh, yeah, that's that's kind of my low budget idea. Uh, I mean, what would you do if like you had an insane budget? Like you could oh. you could go to, like any universe. You know, my insane budget. I mean, my insane budget story is going to be it's a story that I come up with something you and I were shooting the shit about a couple months ago. An idea come to me. And, oh. Wait, um, wait. You're not talking about your misadventures in a certain role-playing faction. Oh, I'm talking about, uh, perhaps, I'm talking about uh, the story idea that I had. And with you, if it was made to a film, you would give, you give them, I'd give you a producer credit, you know, that generous. But um, it'd be the story idea called... What's known as the Fighting Fathers. 
Oh, 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 I thought you meant Dark Master Matt. Oh, no, no, no. That Dark Master Matt, that's too awesome to be on film. I'm sorry. <laughs> that's unfilmable, too. Yes. Um, much like the Dark Tower, it would take seven movies. <laughs> All, every every film would end with Dark Master Matt killing Osama Bin Laden. That would take a trilogy every decade just to tell the same story. Like, <laughs> you, you would die and there would still need to be mil- films made. Yes. To complete the story. Tell people my story. The greatest story <laughs> ever told. Um, but no, the Fighting Fathers, what it pretty much is, is the idea I had that it would be a story. It'd be a story about... Now I think about it, it sounds kind of similar to The Rook, but I come up with the idea before I started reading The Rook. But it would be a, about a secret organization, American government organization known as the Executive Branch. And... The executive branch has field agents, and the said field agents and special agents they used to fight uh, for them would be the immortal remains of former presidents of the United States. <laughs> it's like the expendables of presidents. Exactly. So you would have a team consisting of Abraham Lincoln, Andrew Jackson, George Washington, um, Teddy Roosevelt, and uh, Harry S. Truman fighting against like threats like the one idea i had would be the zombie roman republic you know yeah and didn't you have like nazi vampires nazi vampires uh werebear stalin <laughs> um just all <laughs> kinds of crazy that one stuff always my favorite <laughs> yeah i like I, I was personally partial to the zombie roman republic because i just imagine like zombie mark anthony saying your friends romance countrymen Lend me your brains. And then attacking a bunch of people. <laughs> that would be the opening scene. Yeah. But, yeah, that was actually a concept that you and I had mulled over um, for a game we wanted to play. Yeah. And now that I think about it, that wouldn't actually make an awesome movie. Yeah, uh, right. Uh, that, that actually reminds me of another movie idea that I'll briefly go into um, the another friend of mine, uh, Mike from Pulp Nightmare. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were talking about the idea of Abraham Lincoln in the modern day as an '80s cop. Oh, good God! Yes. And and here's the best part: we cast the role of John Wilkes Booth, Nicholas Cage. There are no words. No words, sir. There's nothing I can say. I can even hope to say. <laughs> and and even better is like they would have like a modern they would have like a clash at the theater, like in the modern day. They would have a clash at like the theater museum. And then you know Wilkes Booth would be defeated and everything. But at the end of it, there's an after credit scene. This is like one of my favorite parts. There's an after credit scene where he would be brought back, like he would be cast in cement or something like that. I forget what it was, but he would be brought back by Willem Dafoe playing uh, Lee Harvey Oswald. I, uh, 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 I came. <laughs> That's all I can say. It would be like this underground, like. A lot like the Fighting Fathers, actually. We came up with this, like, I think last year. But um, it would be 
<laughs> like the most stereotypical 80s movie, 80s cop movie you could imagine, except it's Lincoln. And he has, like, the top hat and everything. He still has the suit. He doesn't use a gun. He uses an axe. No, you gotta give him, like, a, you gotta give him like an, uh, a period uh, relevant revolver. That's what you should do. <laughs> I mean, a gunslinger Lincoln, come on. Well, here's my idea, though. There's a scene where, like, we envision there's this, you know, member of a drug cartel shooting at him. And Lincoln uses the axe to bounce the bullets off of it as he's approaching. Jesus Christ. It's like, the dude would be unstoppable. And also, he'd be played by Daniel Day-Lewis just because he's uncanny. Oh. But, uh, yeah, I mean, any sort of movie like that, especially The Fighting Fathers, I, I love the idea of, like, a team movie like that. Yeah. I just thought the idea of 80s Lincoln Cop, like, of course, because of it, you know, Lincoln Cop. I imagine Frederick Douglass as the angry black chief, you know. Damn it, Lincoln! How many times I gotta tell you? You got you can't go out there as a cowboy running around doing as you damn well please in the city. <laughs> we actually had a chief. He was Philip Seymour Hoffman. <laughs> was he black? No, but maybe that could be an ad. Maybe that could be something we could add on. Philip Seymour Hoffman as Frederick Douglass. <laughs> as, would a, be his as a chief of role. police. Yes. He would do like a Robert Downey Jr. Tropic Thunder. It would be like he would win so many Oscars. It's not even crazy. <laughs> Why aren't we making these movies right now? I don't know because we, we have no money. No, and we need it. We need it. That, I would, ra- I would rather watch that than like half the crap in the theaters right now. If the studios are listening, please give us your money. Uh-huh. Yes, give us all your money. But yeah, oh my god. The idea of an 80s Lincoln, 80s Cobb Lincoln movie. And there's actually a sequel, too, that we had in mind where John F. Kennedy is brought back and he's forced to work with one of his own assassins. Him and, him and Lee Harvey Oswald. <laughs> they team up. And Lincoln has to mediate the two of them, so it's like... <laughs> it's like a loose cannon cop movie. Yeah. But it's like Fighting Fathers would take it up to 11. Because it's like you you you're not fighting like just regular dudes, like like you're fighting vampires, you're fighting zombies, you're fighting these these moments in history that are like secretly this or that. Like you're doing American, you're doing Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter the right way, exactly. With with a team, like it was meant to be, exactly. That's what the only thing would the only thing would made Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter better. Abraham Lincoln and Teddy Roosevelt, Vampire Hunters. Why would Teddy Roosevelt need Abraham Lincoln? Like, he would just hold him back. <laughs> That's true. Teddy Roosevelt, ruler of the world, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, called. yeah, pretty much. I mean, well, even when you said it, like, with Fighting Fathers, I was like, you know, Teddy Roosevelt is like a one-man mm-hmm. army. Indeed. Indeed, sir, Bully. Bully. I think we covered pretty much any kind of conceivable movie idea I'd like to make for the most part. Yeah. I don't want to get into my idea for a Batman movie because we'd be here for... Oh, God, no. Ow. Please, no. I, I don't... Nah, yeah. I'm already kind of half asleep as it is. It would be called The War on Crime. 
the ongoing war. It would he would fight against Dark Master Matt and lose. <laughs> it would last all of five minutes. <laughs> I'm Batman. Are you Robin? I'm Robin. Let's go fight. Let's go. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's it's our incredibly long discussion about movie remakes and the insane reasons for why we are not in Hollywood. Exactly. Insane because it's a it's insane that we're not there right now. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, uh, did you listen to the Lincoln '80s cop movie idea? Lincoln '80s cop movie. Come on. With Come on. Nicholas Cage, he would do it too in a heartbeat. That's the best part. He would jump at this. I would feel like if you reached out, to Nick, if you sent Nicholas Cage an email today, he would he he would be knocking on your door in a bear suit. Hour, in a bear suit, willing to punch you out just to be in the role. <laughs> But yeah, um, that was this week's installment of the Dork Knights. Tune in next week. Same MB time, same bird channel. With their mission accomplished, these glamorous figures vanish as suddenly as they appear. Alright, come on, let's do it. Get pumped up. Hoo-ah. Hoo-ah. Alright, I'm sleepy, I'm going to sleep. Well, I can do it by myself. What do you think about that? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so what what movie would you want to remake? Okay, yeah, Inception. I've never thought of that, actually. Is it a little too soon to want to remake Inception? No, I was playing along. I know, that's why I was joking, because of... I said I was snoring, you know? Yeah. I was trying to make a joke, but it failed horribly, apparently. So, yeah, whatever. (laughs) Fuck you, man. Come on, let's go. I think I'm going to add that to the show.